Every Effort listeners, welcome back. We are so blessed, a little stressed, and making every effort to figure out the rest. I am your co-host, Jocelyn, and I have Matthew with me. If you're here for the first time, welcome. We always like having these really interesting, authentic conversations about stuff that we find interesting, things that we think other young adults who are Christian or exploring Christianity struggle with or have questions about. And that ranges from questions about faith, relationships, things that we see going on in the world and we aren't quite sure about. And I think today's topic is something that we really don't talk a lot about, and it's just something that's very accepted in our society, which is young adults and our relationship with alcohol. I think this is one of those things that in society we just accept that young adults really like drinking. It's you know kind of seen as like this time in our youth when we're supposed to go out and have fun and experience all these things and you know not really have a care in the world but just go out, drink, do whatever our heart desires and I think a lot of what we learn through science and through conversations with people is it can have a lot of really harmful side effects. It's also very fun for people. There's a reason <laughs> why people do it. Uh, there's something on the other side to that. And I don't think we have to list those out. I think everyone knows it's kind of like the party drink. But I feel like I feel like people would be more excited to see a table covered in like free boba than like a punch bowl just because it's special you know like there's just so many ways to go about uh, is alcoholic boba a thing i don't know i'm not trying I to give not. ideas out there <laughs> i mean matt and i don't have an issue with other people drinking alcohol it's our personal choice not to and also our church doesn't recommend it due to just being sensitive to other people and you never really know the struggles that they go through um that's the kind of stance of the church so we abide by that but we also just don't have an interest in it to drink for ourselves and again like we've tried things here and there that like our friends have had or that have been at events and stuff so it's not like we're against people drinking alcohol. We're just here trying to present some interesting information that we found about it. Yeah, and I think biblically, right, we see in the Bible to be full and drink and enjoy ourselves and to take joy in what God's given us. But I think that a lot of the way that we see it today is it's this way to create a fun time, where I think a lot of the biblical use is enjoying time spent with friends and alcohol is a part of that, right? It's not like, hey, let's drink to get really drunk and have fun. It's let's spend time with the people we enjoy, do the things we enjoy, and also enjoy alcohol as part of that. And I yeah. think that's where we've gotten away from some of those more biblical and more historical roots of what alcohol is in life. Yeah, I think I think it has a lot of like, I think God, you know, created something like that for humans to have for like partying, honestly, like, and I only say this because the Bible has clear examples where Jesus is drinking and attending weddings and literally the first miracle we know about, he's creating wine so it it was definitely something that i think was created and used for good and unfortunately with our american culture specifically it it really got a bad rap with um what was that thing that happened prohibition there you go (laughs) (laughs) prohibition it just it it became a very under the table kind of uh, product and anytime you tell people that in order to do something, they have to hide it, it naturally, you know, can get out of hand because it's not regulated. And I think 
the effects the effects of that are still lingering and that's why it's more sensitive in this country when i went to when I, went, when I went to Hungary, like they would take the Lord's Supper literally with alcohol. And that was the first time I tried alcohol it was like <laughs> in church. I had no idea it was hmm. alcohol. And I thought we were just taking the Lord's Supper as like a congregation. <laughs> and that was so, yeah, I was like, oh man, I'm not going to spit this out. <laughs> um, it, it was not grape juice. And I was a little bummed out because I love grape <laughs> juice. But um, yeah, it was different and it was spicy. <laughs> but Yeah, it's like a totally normal thing out there. And for people who are like 16 or 15 to be drinking it, you know, they're able to to teach within their culture, a healthy way of incorporating it into your life. And it doesn't have to be like this crazy hidden thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. it is in this country. I think it's I think it's abused a lot more here than say European countries. Yeah, and I think, the, like you said, the way we treat alcohol as a society has a big part to do with it. But I think a lot of the blame gets apportioned to how we describe what alcohol is to kids and a little bit less about just the culture of peer pressure and of partying that yeah. kids have. And, you know, we can talk all day about where that comes from, whether it's being allowed to be free and to kind of run wild and have the space to do these things or whether it's just kids being kids and if you leave them to their own they'll do things like that but I think there is this pressure and there's this like glorification of going to a party and drinking and just getting as drunk as you can rather than enjoying the things that I think most people as they become more mature adults realize the fun part is having conversations with people you like watching a game that you enjoy going out to a party or to a wedding and that's the fun part not getting as drunk as I can and losing control of myself. So I think a lot of it is self-created, and I honestly don't know how we start to solve that problem, but I think it's definitely one where it's just very accepted that young people drink really heavily, more, I mean, more problematically than anything else. We drink a lot when we do drink. It's not a drink a day. It's, hey, let's go to a party and have 10 beers, and it's a really big issue. And that's not to say that people could drink responsibly. I think we're just doing a bad job as... Uh, families and as a culture and society to be teaching people to drink more responsibly. And I think the drinking age is also pretty high in this country. And that can cause issues because again, when you're in high school, it becomes a hidden thing. Someone brings it under the table and it's just like, yeah, uh, obviously we're not like for underage drinking and we're not for drinking too much. I think everything needs to be taken in its in uh, limits and have its boundaries. But at the same time, we shouldn't be like, no one should judge someone for drinking responsibly. I think we should just view alcohol as like a food that a trained person has the right to have. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the only caveat would be knowing that alcohol is a sensitive topic for a lot of people because it can be something that's so addicting. And so I think that being very careful with who we drink around, who we encourage to drink or invite to drink, and just being sensitive of other people who might have addictions or might have problems. But I think overall, what you said is right. I think that it can be something that we enjoy in moderation and something that you can choose. I mean, you and I, it's just not our thing, but we know plenty of people who love having a nice beer out at lunch and it's great. It doesn't hurt anyone. It doesn't hurt them. They enjoy the taste just like if they ordered a really nice meal. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like we have to set boundaries for our brothers and sisters. Like if you know someone struggles with something like gambling, you're not going to go and convince them to get a ticket 
with you just for the sake of camaraderie. You know, you don't want to bring that kind of temptation to them. And you want to be respectful of what everyone's struggling with. And again, alcohol is just a big issue in this country that is not that is not helped and looked at as much in a lot of areas. So I think that's why our church is specifically more careful with it. And other churches aren't. And I think they encourage, you know, a healthy way of going about it. I think because our church is big, they kind of just go on the like better safe than sorry stance. Yeah, I mean, I, I think every church is unique. And I know that ours was founded by a group of people who were very against alcohol because of personal yeah. experiences. And yeah. I mean, I can personally attest to a lot of sadness and sorrow and loss that's associated with alcohol. And it is the safest thing not to have it. And that doesn't mean that everyone can't have it or everyone shouldn't have it. But yeah, our church's stance is to not have it at events for understandable reasons to keep people from falling into temptation or you know having sticky situations arise. So we have a lot of content to go through in this episode, and what really started this topic out and brought it to our hearts to talk about was this article we found. They called it a bombshell alcohol study, and it was funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So Bill Gates, you guys all know (laughs) that guy. Um, And what the finding was is that alcohol only asserts risks and zero benefits for young adults specifically. Hmm. Is that a surprise? It really shouldn't be, but I feel like at least I was always anchored to this one study. I think it was years ago when it talked about how having a glass of red wine can be helpful for your heart health or little things like that that would make you say, oh, maybe there's one benefit. But I think just on a logical level, we know that alcohol doesn't do anything good for our body. It's not eating fruits and vegetables, right? It's yeah. It can be enjoyable, but there's certainly no health benefit or anything that's going to make you live longer or be healthier. The human body's amazing, though. Like the fact that... A liquid that kills 99.99% of bacteria, it's obviously, it's diluted when you drink it, but that it has that potential. You're putting that in your body. Like to me, that's like Clorox, you know, Mm -hmm. but hey, some people like it. So anyways, the study, uh, they say uh, was massive in scope. It's a big deal, as you can imagine. Uh, That foundation was able to pour in a lot of resources in order to get a good Uh, some good numbers. And they said it's been ongoing since 1990. So it's not like this was like within the past year. It's like within the past decades, they've been looking at how alcohol has affected young adults. And it wasn't just in this country either. This Hmm. was from 204 countries and territories, they said. And what was cool about this article is the the picture they decided (laughs) to give it was one of Bill Gates drinking boba at like some sort of conference or event or something. And that was really funny. I, I um, had no idea. I thought that was Photoshop the first time I saw it. I couldn't I couldn't picture I Bill Gates it. knowing what boba even is. If you were a man like that, like, yeah, go to your black tie event with your boba. You can do whatever <laughs> you want, pretty much. No one's going to judge you for being weird. But yeah, so I guess what they considered were young adults or people under the age of 40, which makes sense, 20s, 30s, and I guess teens or late teens. Um, but pretty much if you're under the age of 40, you start risking your health if you consume any more than two teaspoons of wine or two and a half tablespoons of beer per day. Wow. Like, and that's so little. Nobody, nobody takes like two 
two teaspoons or you know two tablespoon chugs and then call it a day you know people have like ounces several ounces of it so it's pretty much saying if you drink you're not doing anything good for your health you're only negatively negatively impacting it and then they found for young younger adults uh, all the way down to age 15 zero health benefits only risks Yeah, what they considered would be a healthy standard drink is like one-tenth of what a serving tells you, like on the can Mm. or on the bottle. So again, it's like, is it even worth drinking at that point? If you're you're really focused on just the health aspect, like, it's like, might as well just not drink and save your money. Yeah, that's really crazy, especially that it's one-tenth because... So often at restaurants or bars, you see the little chart that shows how much you're able to drink for your weight and still be able to drive home. And I feel like that's kind of a good proxy for what people are willing to drink when they're at a dinner out. And that's two, two and a half standard drinks. So for this to be one tenth before you're taking health risks is really astonishing. And I think that everyone has different risk tolerances, right? you could make the argument that everything we do is a risk. If you step outside your door, you're taking a risk. But I think that doing something like drinking when you know that there's no upside other than your own enjoyment really puts things into perspective as to alcohol's role in our life and the moderation that we should be having this in. And it's really interesting that they put it in terms of alcohol per day, because to me, this supports the idea that It can be something that's enjoyed for special occasions at a wedding, at a celebration. It's a great thing to have a drink and enjoy your time with your friends, but it's not a habit or something that you're having every day or having as consistently as a lot of people do. Yeah. And you mentioned like hearing about health benefits with drinking wine and stuff. That actually was still proven to be true in this study. Hmm. But get this, you have to be over the age of 40 with no underlying health problems, consume a small amount of alcohol each day, and it could result in benefits including reducing cardiovascular disease, stroke and diabetes risk. So once you like pass that 40 mark, you know, you're, it's pretty much like, hey, maybe this is the best time to like start having that glass of wine a day. <laughs> but it's just kind of interesting. It's like, okay, I, at least biologically, we're learning alcohol is a mature drink. It's not something we'd give to a five or 10 year old. Mm-hmm. But again, not surprising, right? Right. And I think that one of the biggest things that we consider with our health is our brain health. I think even more than physical health, being able to stay mentally capable, being able to stay sharp and just aware so that when you're older, you can spend time with family, talk to friends and still have that cognitive function. And a study from Oxford University last year found that there was no safe dose of alcohol to drink when it comes to brain health. So there is no amount of alcohol that you can drink that isn't a risk to your long-term brain health. Yeah. um, And this doctor just... He basically summarized this whole thing by saying, young people should not drink. And this is Dr. Emanuela Gakido. I hope I said that right. I mean, I think he, he did a good job. He did his research. He deserves to be credited. He said, young people should not drink, but older people may benefit from drinking small amounts. And again, young people means less than 40. Okay, so that's that's a big range. That's basically saying if you care about your health this like super intensely, then you know, Mm -hmm. wait until that age. Please don't hate us, guys. We're just sharing information. (laughs) Um, But I don't know, maybe it'll make you second guess some of your drinking habits. If you want to look more into like the science details of that, definitely look up the study. It's a big deal. It's all over the web. So uh, just search Bill Gates alcohol study or something. 
And if you're looking for an alternative to drinking, now that you've heard about a lot of the dangerous and harmful effects, Joss and I have an amazing drink that we've found. It's called Poppy. It's a probiotic soda. It's super low calorie, low sugar, tastes delicious. The probiotics are awesome for your gut health, for overall health. It makes you feel really good about having a soda in the middle of the day. They have some really awesome flavors like cola, root beer, even Dr. Pepper if you're into that. I'm not sure why anyone is, but it tastes pretty good. (laughs) They also have really fruity flavors like raspberry, orange, lime, watermelon, whatever you like, they've got a soda for it. It's delicious. It's a great way to enjoy your daily dose of soda without a lot of the harmful effects. And what's amazing about these drinks too is their secret ingredient is something I hate, which is apple cider vinegar. Ooh. So I think they use the tang of that and then bring in other flavorings and make it taste super good. And again, it's super low calorie, but Amazon has a great deal for them. You can get them in a pack. So we have that linked in our bio. Next up of piece of information that we got from a .gov site, so it must be legitimate, right? It's like <laughs> something you always have to check when writing your bibliographies. Um, we learned that young adults have a higher prevalence of alcohol. This is um, alcohol consumption and binge drinking than any other age group. This is from the National Library of Medicine. So I just want to give you that source if you want to look it up. Um, they also drink more heavily, experience more negative consequences of drinking, Alcohol abuse rates are higher and dependents are disproportionately higher amongst those between the ages of 18 and 29 compared with other age groups. So young adults are also overrepresented among alcohol related traffic fatalities, which is unfortunate. Hmm. And pretty much it just goes on and on to say that every negative effect of drinking alcohol is more prevalent for young adults than other groups of people it's not a surprise right because we're like still developing at this age and figuring stuff out like our decision making is not fully developed so it's like you're more at risk of of the negative consequences that aren't just health related right car crashes um relationships right talk about like domestic abuse and Um, psychological, behavioral, social factors that come into play as well. It's just, it's just a really sad and again, unsurprising thing that we had to do the research just, just to confirm because a lot of people don't believe this stuff. The fact that binge drinking is so much more prevalent amongst young groups, like amongst the 18 to 29 demographic really stands out to me. And, you know, we've read in the Bible that we're to respect our elders. And I think that there's a very logical reason for that. I believe that when we're young, we're really figuring life out. We don't really know the consequences of our actions. Like you said, our brains aren't even fully developed. For guys, they're not fully developed until we're in our early to mid-20s. And we don't really have this long-term vision or the feeling of the gravity of our life and our decisions and the importance of taking care of ourselves. And as we get older, we start to understand that a little bit better. And the longer you live, the more wise you can become, the more life you've seen, the more you can learn from your mistakes and the mistakes of others. So I think it speaks real volumes that consumption and binge drinking go down with age. I believe that that's a really great sign that 
if you've got a great head on your shoulders and you're young, you can see those flags ahead of time and say, wow, all these older people who have experienced so much life, experienced more wisdom, understand that binge drinking isn't a healthy thing. And you can learn more from those who are more wise and more experienced than you instead of looking to those around you. Because especially in a college environment or in you know a circle of young adults, it's easy to feel that drinking is part of life because it is for most people that age. But I believe if you look to people who are older than you, who you can seek for mentorship and wisdom, you can look at their actions and see that a lot of times they're able to enjoy a more full and a more deep sense of joy and belonging and commitment without needing alcohol in the mix or without needing to binge drink. And I think it's just a really great example of how we can look to people who have been on this earth and known God and walked life a lot longer than us to find some healthy habits from them instead of just looking to the people who are around us. Yeah, and I I believe there are amazing Christian leaders out there who do drink, but when they do it, again, it's done very responsibly and there's there's no hint that it's something that's ruling over their life, affecting their health, affecting their relationships. So this is pretty much, this whole episode is just like a warning to those of our fellow peers who do drink. Again, there's nothing wrong with drinking itself, but just know that what risks are there in front of you. And, you know, if that means you're going to limit yourself to like two glasses a week versus you know, three or four, then, hey, that's a step in the right direction. And, you know, the less the better and you can enjoy each drink a little bit more. And or I've known people who only drink when they go out for social stuff or when they're with somebody else. But then I've known people who say the same thing and go out like every night. So, (laughs) so again, like only you know your habits and just pretty much just drink responsibly. Like they say that for a reason in all these ads, because we didn't need to have a study to figure all this stuff out. I think we kind of knew most of this from culture. So uh, there's an interesting Ronald Reagan video that you mentioned uh, regarding all of this, though. Yeah, I thought it was really funny because like you mentioned earlier, a lot of this stuff isn't rocket science, right? Everyone knows that alcohol is an enjoyable thing to consume, but I don't think anyone really believed that it had some magical health benefits or that it would positively benefit your body. And there was a really great interview where Ronald Reagan was talking to Johnny Carson, and he was really upset about government spending on a lot of research projects. And he mentioned this one project where they studied people across all different ages, races, income levels, and they interviewed them about their happiness and about their contentment and what they wanted in life. And after the government spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, I think this was uh, in the 80s or in, in the 70s or 80s, and shockingly, they found that people would rather be young, rich, and healthy rather than old, poor and unhealthy. Wow. And it was an amazing finding, right? (laughs) That's what so many of these studies point to are things that are really obvious and things that we know. But sometimes I think we need to see the cold hard fact to understand the impact that it can have on our lives. What's amazing, though, is that these studies are supposed to change people's perspective on on how they view life right Mm -hmm. otherwise you have people arguing right but who can argue against who can debate about like scientific fact right and people who have actually studied and interviewed the people who've gone through whatever you're talking about like it's just amazing to me that there's still people who will not take that 
as evidence when they argue about something. And there's just some people who won't be convinced. And I truly believe that people will choose to just be illogical and not take fact, even if it's evident and in front of them, as we've seen in, in the episode we did, episodes 15 and 16 on just apologetics and challenging the Bible, that there's always going to be people, people who don't agree despite the evidence. And that's just something that we have to accept. We can't change people. You have to choose to make your change in your life. You and I talked about this recently, but it really brings to mind the concept of cognitive dissonance and this idea that you can see information come in, you can say, oh, wow, alcohol is bad for me. And then you can set up a little wall in your brain that you're still okay to drink and that it doesn't affect you. And I think it's really easy to know that something is wrong and you can identify it, you can even discuss it with other people, but you just aren't able to take that into action. And that's a really tough place to be. I've definitely known people, I've been there myself with other things. And if anyone is in that place where they feel like they know that their drinking habits aren't healthy or that they know they're in a tough place, whether it's with alcohol or anything else, I would encourage you to be vulnerable, to confide in someone. If you have someone in your church and part of a small group that you can just speak to about your problem, having someone who understands where you're at and can help keep you accountable is really great because a lot of these habits really start and finish themselves in private because it's really easy to drink when no one is watching. Or like you said, if you're going out with friends, you can drink with a different group of friends every night and no one's able to see that problem. But when you see facts like this, you can recognize that what you're doing isn't right and just not feel like you're able to make that change or able to create the impact you see. And those around you who love you and care about you want you to take those positive steps and they want you to have a long, healthy life because they care about you, whether they're friends or family or uh, a spouse or significant other. So I would encourage you to speak up about this because everyone struggles with addiction or with temptation and it's certainly not an embarrassing thing, but by letting those around you and who care about you know about what you're going through and know about some of the problems that you're having, they can help encourage you to make better decisions. They can invite you out to places where you won't be tempted or where you'll be able to experience the joy, the fun, the involvement, sometimes even just the acceptance of being with people without needing um, alcohol or whatever you feel like is holding you back. Yeah, if you're someone who struggles with alcohol and your friends are a huge factor in that struggle, a negative factor, then find better friends. And that's going to take a while. But if this episode has taught you guys anything or maybe influenced uh, a new habit or uh, that you want to take on or leave behind you, please let us know because we, we love hearing if what we what information we bring you is helping and make sure you're also making every effort to listen to our other episodes please catch up follow us on instagram facebook and still new on tiktok so check that out and share with a friend if you learn something let someone else know because if you find something amazing and it becomes a light of your life, you really want to share that with other people. So we'd love to hear anything you want to tell us about the show. Feel free to message social media and whatnot. We'll see you online. Thanks, everyone.